0: Hello, you are, you are listening, listening to, to the Carol Connection, Connection with your, your host Jared,
1: Jared Carroll. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Carol Connection. I am your host Jared Carroll here to bring you guys another great episode. I want to take a chance to shout out last week's episode, episode sixty-five, with Anthony Markey. He's an impl- inflammation specialist in the business finance accounting realm great episode we also talked a lot about personal finance real estate and community that was a really big concept on that episode talking about community where it was from high school to friends and how that really shapes you as a person so great episode check that out the carol simplecast.com also available apple Podcasts, spotify and all the major listening platforms so today I'm going to bring you guys another great episode, episode 66, with Lindsay Pettit.
0: Hi, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. It's been a long time coming.
1: Yes, I'm excited to sit down with you. And also, shout out to your sister, Kaylee Pettit, who's on episode 20. So now I got the Pettits both on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So excited to dive into this podcast with you. And kind of the introdu- introductory stuff on the podcast is kind of just letting the audience know who you are and what you're doing currently.
0: Yeah, so um, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Lindsay. Um, I just turned 22. Right now, I work um, as a salon receptionist. I just got a promotion, though, to salon manager, so I'm really excited about that. Um, And next month, I'm going back to school. I'm going to grad school at Rhode Island College for criminal justice. So I'll be Um, back to school, and that's that's where I belong.
1: Perfect. And we'll we'll dive into uh, that stuff later in the podcast, too, as we progress. Uh, Also, with the beginning self, I'll talk a lot about family dynamic, kind of like how you grew up, where you grew up. So people kind of get an idea of who you are. And I think that's really beneficial when doing the podcast to paint the picture of kind of like your background. So as we progress into the podcast and we get deeper into our feelings and our emotions about everything, we have uh, some substance to build off of. So if you feel comfortable to share as much as you want about, like, your family dynamic and where you grew up.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, I grew up, for the first part, um, in Pawtucket, in in Darlington. And I moved to Seekonk when I was 8 years old and I was in 3rd grade. My sister was in 4th grade. My sister and I were really close. We're only 17 months apart. I'm 22. She's 23. Um, We've been best friends forever. I look up to her so much. And growing up, we... Played sports. We played softball for a good 13, 14 years, and that kind of is where it all started. When we lived in Pawtucket, Slater Park was the end of our street. We would walk mm-hmm. to practice every night with our dad. Our dad was our coach, and he was our coach until up until the end. And softball was something that we are so passionate about, and still it completely shaped us into the people that we are today. Um, And moving to Seekonk, it was definitely different than Pawtucket, and I'm so glad that it happened. I've since then, you know, met so many amazing people and best friends and just everything. And um, yeah, it was definitely a change for us because we were so young when it happened. But um, after living here, I I couldn't picture myself kind of being anywhere else.
1: Yeah, that change probably was somewhat difficult, too. And it probably was a little easier being at a younger age because... We're kids, so we're a little bit more, um, how do I say it, adaptive, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm looking for, to new situations, new environments, and especially the, as kids, kids can be fucking ruthless, but younger, we're um, more welcoming, we're more open to new friends, and we're looking to make new friends. So I can imagine that transition was probably a little bit easier mm-hmm. versus people who transition in high school and things like that, because the fucking cliques and social dynamic of high school, but... I definitely could see that. And just to relate to what you said about softball and stuff, my dad was a coach for me and my brother playing football all the way up until high school. So I definitely found that extremely valuable because my dad obviously worked a typical, like, not nine to five, it was more like seven to three type thing. But he was always working, really. And then he also went to school when I was young, too, to get the job that he has today. So he wasn't always around, but when we needed him around for sports and stuff. He was there, and like my mom would stay at home. She would do bring us to school, make the lunches, and all that stuff. Like stay at mom, stay at home mom, like type typical type duties and things like that, which was extremely fundamental and allowing us to be the kids we are today. But painting the picture back to my dad and how he's a coach, like. It was everything, because, like, all our successes, all our losses, like, he was there to experience sure. everything. So, like, I can imagine you could relate to that experience, oh, absolutely, too. absolutely,
0: yeah. Uh, my parents are divorced, and so, you know, through all of that, my dad, he still worked full-time. He still, you know, was getting himself through that, but he never missed a beat. You know, every practice, we were always even a half an hour early for practice, an hour early for the for the practice before the game. Like, we were always early... And he just, you know, he really showed up for us. He still shows up for us and showed up for himself through all of that. And he, I'm just so grateful that, you know, he was a coach because having a coach in and of itself, like you have a mentor, you have someone to look up to. And we had many coaches, but having your father as a coach, it's, it's a different relationship. And it was just as amazing as an experience for him to always be with his girls and to see our successes, you know, all the medals, trophies, cause we were good. Like mm-hmm. we went to nationals five times, you know, and in Pennsylvania and Virginia and we drove, we drove all the time. We drove everywhere. He took us everywhere. And it was, it's really just something to look back on and think like we did this all together. Like we have those memories, like those wins, those losses, You know, I can still picture, like, the smile on his face with his arms up when we're winning a game, you know, like, always there cheering us on, and of course, it's different. My mom wasn't a coach, you know, but she Mm -hmm. was always there in the sands, you know, cheering us on, too, but it's just, it's a feeling like no other having a parent as a coach that's just there for everything, every single thing.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. That feeling is, it's it's something, too, like, when I look at possibly having a family, having kids of my own, I want to be involved like that, too, because... That was everything, like you said, sharing all those those high moments. Like your he's like obviously your parents are there for it, but when they're a coach on the field, they're as they're even more invested into it because they're a part of it. They're part of the success and how good the team is actually going to be. So it's a, it is really like a feeling of no like no other, and like we are privileged too. Like I'll definitely acknowledge that to like have parents that were able to be coaches because not everyone is able to have that experience. And I'm glad that we can relate on that because it's a good touching point and shout out to your dad too for being being there as much as what as he was too because i know i've talked to multiple people about when their parents do separate it can be difficult Mm -hmm. and there are struggles within that and even the whole family dynamic in society today a lot of like family units have been become separated so it's it's nice to hear that your parents work together to in co-parenting to really make sure that you guys were successful in everything you did because there are parents out in this world that make that really don't like each other, that f- when it comes to raising their children, that hatred towards each other spills out onto the kids. And you really see that in a, in a lot of kids. Even when you play sports, you can tell who does, who isn't disciplined at home, who doesn't have a good family structure at home. And I didn't necessarily realize that growing up. Cause you're a kid, you're kind of oblivious to those things. But as you got older, as I got older, I should say, into like the middle school and the high school years, you really start to see when kids were becoming the teenage years, becoming miniature adults per se. Who really had that structure at home? Who had those early building blocks of discipline, consistency, like respecting authority? Like it really showed up when people would confront coaches or not listen or not work hard and it's not shade to those those kids but it's like it's more pointed at the parents of those kids and that when I look at society as a whole we're kind of failing like the family dynamic in the United States is crumbling and it's crumbling fast and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about relationships and dating and one of the things they talk about I think it's like a 54 percent divorce rate in the country and I think where we're looking at that dynamic in relationships. We need to really look at, and I know I'm kind of going off topic. I'm focusing a little bit more on dating, but we need to focus more on, before you have kids with people, <laughs> like make sure you really vet that person. Make sure that person's really the person you want to raise a family with. And I don't think, I definitely wasn't taught that as a kid. I wasn't taught like that atmosphere. And it is, it's awkward too, having a parent mm-hmm. talk to you about dating and yeah. things like that. But I think it's very fundamental when we're looking at it, making sure that we're raising children in really structured households with tons of love, because I think we've kind of fucked up this idea that marriage needs to be love. Marriage is not necessarily a love, but it's a commitment to each other, especially when you have children, to raise those children in a house full of love. And you're not going to love your partner every single day. Like, after every, every couple that I've talked to, especially like my grandparents and stuff— they didn't love each other every single day. There's (laughs) days that they fucking hated each other. Like, that's normal. And I think we've gotten this conflated idea that you need to love that person every single day through everything. And it's like, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So I know that was kind of a tangent, but like, something that's really like struck a chord with me when I look at, family dynamic and that's just kudos to your parents though for having that ability to co-parent and be there at all the games and not have that animosity necessarily towards each other and like and even if there was like not to like necessarily show that to the kids because whether they people realize it or not consciously or subconsciously as children we do absorb that we do notice those energies and those could ultimately become traumas in our life undiagnosed and that could affect us in the future and that's something I've learned through therapy but kind of taking this conversation and turning it back to you, um, talk to me a little bit about your experience going into high school, playing sports, um, and then leading up to your senior year, kind of like all the emotions that were involved. Because mm-hmm. obviously, high school, is a, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. So talk to me about that.
0: Yep. So we, on the side, of course, we played travel softball. Um, and so it was a given that I would always play, you know, through middle school. My dad actually coached the middle school team when I was in elementary school, um and so by then he wasn't doing that anymore but I played middle school high school travel on the side and I was I've been working ever since I was 16 um and so I had to you know balance honors classes AP classes work softball so that was always a lot um
1: how did you feel managing all that? that's a fucking that is a fucking lot
0: I mean as a 16 year old you're like oh my god <laughs> what, what do I do like how do I you know when you're just getting your license your permit and it's like well If I'm here, then my mom has to take me here, and then I have to get from work to practice. And just, you know, and you're like, well, what if I have to leave early? Just a lot of things that go through your head because you don't want to disappoint the coaches. You want to be there for your teammates. Um, It was definitely a lot. Um, I'm someone who can multitask, though, and it ended up working out for me, like, better than it ever could. Um, I didn't end up playing my senior year, though, of high school. Um, At that point, um, I had to make a decision. If i if you know, work became kind of more important for me. It had to be at that point in my life because, you know, I have bills to pay. I'm 17 years old. Like, I have things that had to come before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, unfortunately, was the end of my softball career, which was really tough. Um, I still had the option to still play travel. Um, but, you know, as as you play for that long and then you skip a year, you know, you
1: mm-hmm.
0: I fell out of it. Um, I get really nostalgic talking about it because... I loved everything about softball. The memories, the relationships, just the feelings of winning, the feelings of losing practice. Like it's all, it makes you who you are. It gives you a lot of grit, you know? And so when I think about it, I'm like, I miss it so much. I was in the best shape of my life at 17 years old. I didn't even know it, you know? And so I look back on all those things and I hold those memories like so close to my heart. But, you know, every chapter has to come to an end and that was mine. And so once I graduated, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go to school um, for criminal justice and rewind a little bit. Actually, I thought I was going to play softball in college um, before, you know, I I didn't play my senior year. I thought I was going to play in college and I had scouts come. I was sending emails to colleges, their coaches saying, hey, you know, my travel team is playing here. We're in Connecticut this weekend. We're in Pennsylvania this weekend. I'll be there. Come watch me play. And I would have scouts show up and, and come see me. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm up to bat. And I, and I see, like, the scout in left field. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, they're they're watching me. They're here for me. Like, that was really exciting. And then, um, you know, I had a change of heart. And I was like, you know, I, I don't want to play anymore. But I'm so passionate about school. I always have been. And so... I was like, you know, I'm putting my education first. You know, I want to be successful from a young age. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be an FBI agent and work my way up. And again, I had a change of heart. That's not where I'm going with my with my career. Um, but I went to Rick, and I just graduated in May with a degree in criminal justice and a degree in sociology. Um, I started there, you know... College is scary at first, you know, I got there and I'm like, well, okay, like class, navigating buildings, I'm lost, you know, my sister and I actually, my, my first semester of school, we had an English class together in, in college, we had chemistry and physics together in high school, and I still couldn't escape for even going to college, <laughs> we had an English class together my first semester of college, but it's like nice, there's a lot of familiar faces at Rick, you know, kids that I graduated with. Went to Rick, I would see them on campus. People I went I played softball with, I saw them on campus. Like I was grateful to kind of have a sense of familiarity in that. Um, I did want to go away to college, but I said, you know, I can't, I don't want to leave my family. Everything I have is here. Um so I stayed. I just graduated, but in the beginning I didn't really know. So I started out, I declared a justice studies, it's what it's called at Rick is justice studies um, major. I declared an anthropology minor. Um, didn't really get too far into that before I was like, "Mm, I don't think this is for me. I switched to a creative writing minor. I love to write. I love poetry. I love reading. I love all of that. It's so cool. At one point, I thought I want to be a journalist. Um, so I took up that minor. Again, didn't get too far with that. Dropped that minor, stayed just a criminal justice major. But I wouldn't have enough credits to graduate if I had just done that alone. So they said, if you take up a sociology major as well, for two extra classes, you can have two degrees. And I still graduated early. Like, I was done in three and a half years with two degrees I just graduated with. I had from January to May off. I was done. I just graduated in May. So I had that semester off. Um... I was the 2021 recipient of the Marianne Hawks Award at RIC for the um, Justice Studies Department, which was really exciting too. I had, I mean, unfortunately, the COVID restrictions, <laughs> it had to be a virtual award ceremony, um, but I had that, which was really cool, and it, they made the best of it, you know, regarding everything that's going on currently with COVID. But, yeah, it hasn't always been, like, clear-cut, like, I'm going to do this, 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 you know? And that's something that's hard to wrap your mind around when all your life you're like, well, I want to do this by this age. I'm going to have this everything all planned out And that in my head is what I had. And it wasn't until the exact moment that I had that award ceremony virtually and they announced my name and seeing all my professors faces on the computer. I'm like, I miss them so much. Like, I miss that. And one of my professors was like, you know, this is the reason why I do what I do. And in that second, I was like, this is it. I'm like, I pulled up Rick website and I applied to grad school right there. I'm like, this is what I need to be doing. This is where I belong. Like the second she said it, it clicked in my head. And I was like, this is where I need to be. So yeah, I'm starting a new journey next month, going back to grad school. I'm so excited. I just feel like I'm somebody who's always belonged in school. You know, I was always taking the honors courses, always taking the AP courses, putting my best foot forward, you know, still coming out even with my bachelor's degree with a near perfect GPA. Like nothing can stop me. And I'm just so excited to go back and not that not too many people get this excited about going back to school, (laughs) but I do. And like, I just feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. That's where I'm Mm. meant to be right now.
1: What I really liked what you said there when you were talking is so like uh, it was long lines of like, The chapter has to come to an end Mm -hmm. like and you're talking about softball like there's certain chapters that have to come to an end and that's something that i've wrestled with especially recently a lot with myself is like there are certain chapters of your life that unfortunately do come to an end whether it is school sports um relationships jobs like all types there's an end date to everything even our own life there's end dates to everything Mm -hmm. and this whole life is... Your entire life is a book, essentially, if you look at it in a metaphor. And every chapter ends. Some chapters are longer than others. Some chapters are, are difficult to read. Some chapters are just skimmed through and just, like, sunshines and rainbows. Mm-hmm. But, like, you got to learn to, like, when when to go back... Be- when, like, the chapter ends, to not go back and read the chapter over and over. Like, because the message is the message. Mm-hmm. And if you can't learn from that message or you can't accept that message... You're going to be stuck in these repeated habits. And I found myself in that that same pattern of going back to reread old chapters. And it's cool to reminisce. It's cool to think back and experience stuff. But you don't want to get stuck there. Mm-hmm. Like when you get stuck in a certain pattern of thinking, if, especially in the past, I tend to think that's, especially when you get depressed about it, that's literally kind of how I look at depression. Depression is thinking about the past, getting mm-hmm. stuck there. Anxiety, Anxiety is thinking about the future, what's to come. And we'll talk about it later, too, about one of the books you're reading about being present, being in the now. And I'm big on meditation and trying to stay present. And even to tie back to what you said is, like, you are not, you weren't always sure about what path you were trying to take. And one of the messages that I've been working with my therapist, I'm actually wearing the shirt right now, new merch coming soon, guys, working on mm-hmm. some stuff, is stay the course. Like, the course is going to be a windy fucking road. It's going to be all these different things. And there's gonna be paths that veer off from what your course is, but stay your course. Like, your life is meant to happen the way it does. Trust that it's happening for you, not against you. And have that positive mindset. I know it's difficult to do. And, like, sometimes you're gonna be sad. Sometimes you're gonna be angry. Sometimes you're gonna have all these different emotions jealousy, envy. Like, it's all part of the human experience. So, fighting with your emotions never gets you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And especially with anxiety, anxiety can be so crippling. Because we're so afraid of what's to come. Like, for example, you were nervous about this podcast. You were anxious <laughs> about this podcast. Yeah. And that's anxious because you don't know what's to come. What's, what are you going to say? Like, what are the questions going to be? And that vulnerability, that honesty to acknowledge the anxiety is the first step in moving past the anxiety because you could let it cripple you to the point where you don't even do the podcast. You could run away and, hey, I'm not, I'm not ready to do this. I'm scared to do this. Mm-hmm. you don't you face it up front and i think that's the most important aspect when you face new new challenges new new paths per se and kind of backtracking a little bit what was the real like because you kind of touched upon it what was the reason to go to college because we have so many paths in high school and i know obviously your love for school but it sounds like the love for school kind of like the realization for that was like kind of after the fact Mm -hmm. so what was the initial push to go to college
0: Yeah, um, my sister and I are actually first generation, I guess she would be considered the first generation college Mm -hmm. student. My parents never went to college, I think my mom attempted, didn't get very far, but my parents only have high school diplomas, that's all they have. So naturally, as a parent, you want for your kids what you didn't do, you want the better for them that you didn't do. And so, of course, we were always pushed like, go to college, go to college, go to college, you know, get a free ride, go play softball, go to college, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Go to college and they didn't do it so forcefully. Naturally, my sister and I, more me, we like I like school. We like school. It was never a question in my head. I'm not going to college. I never, ever, ever not once thought about it. It was honestly something I was looking forward to. That's why I was taking these honors courses, taking the AP courses. You know, I had some credits transfer from my AP classes in high school to Rick. So I got to graduate early from those too. So I found myself preparing for that, you know, freshman year. Like, this is my end goal. And it wasn't always easy because, like, I, you know, I changed my minors a couple times and I ended up double majoring. And I part of the reason, you know, I'm going to grad school, I had this epiphany of why I wanted to go back. But, you know, I'm planning in my head, you know, after my master's, I want to get a PhD. And I think I want to teach criminal justice at a college level, because I feel like I belong in school, I have what it takes to do that. And I'm passionate about it, you know. And so along this ride, even from My very first day in college, my parents, you know, a little bit of pressure. Like, what are you going to do? Like, what do you want to do? And my response always usually was, I want to be a cop. I want to be an FBI agent. Like, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be, you know, a PI. Like, all these things. Because I did. Like, it's so cool to me. And I had professors that are lawyers and that are um, social workers. Like, all this cool stuff. Every single one of those things interests me. And all of it does. And so... I just more recently never had an answer. I'm like, I don't know. I have my degrees and I have two of them, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So in the meantime, you know, I've been working as much as I can. because I love to work. I'm very passionate about working. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, they're right. Like, I have these degrees. I'm not doing anything with them. My possibilities, because I have a sociology degree, and criminal justice is pretty expansive too, but sociology is like endless. Like my possibilities are literally endless on what I want to do. So I'm like, because there's so many options, I can't narrow down because I love everything and I would be a million things if I could. And so I'm like, you know what? My grades are there. My GPA is there. I don't know what I want to do, but I could keep going to figure that out. And even after, you know, getting a master's that could open doors for me that I didn't know were possible going into it. You know, I might get a job straight out of my master's and then maybe push back my PhD or I might even get the PhD and decide I don't want to teach it at a college level. Like, there's just so many possibilities that I have to take step by step because I don't know that the doors that this is going to open up for me, but I know that this is where I need to be because I, you know, it's hard having that pressure on yourself. You know, my sister graduated from rick with a nursing you know with a license she's a nurse like she has a job so when you know you put the two of us together she graduated with a job i graduated with two degrees and no job you know and so i just constantly felt that pressure like well she knows what she's doing and i don't i don't want to be a disappointment to you but like i don't know and you know as much as i'm working right now that's not enough because i have a whole future ahead of me And so I'm basically using that that power of uncertainty and of unknowing to take it a step further and keep going as far as I can because I know I can. And I know who and what I am going to be when this is over. You know, I'm going to be way more proud of myself two, four, six years from now than I am even just graduating with two degrees, you know, at at 22 years old, early, you know. And so just for anyone... Mm -hmm. Who is struggling in college and and doesn't know what you want to do? Like it's okay. Like everything happens for a reason. Like your life is going to pan out right in front of you. It will. You'll have that moment, like I did, and be like, "Thank you, thank you, for letting me realize this." But you don't need to have it all figured out. And you can even take this and apply that to any area of your life: your your job, your relationship, school, sports fitness, literally anything that you're passionate about, and you kind of feel lost right now, you're going to end up where you need to be. You're Like the sense of direction might be lost right now, but I'm telling you, as much as you might not realize it, you're going to come full circle. And I just think that's so important because nowadays, when you're looking for a job, they're like, well, do you have a bachelor's? Do you have an associate's? Do you have a master's? And I like to tell people... It's not so much... Like, if you're going for nursing, that's it. You're going for nursing. Mm-hmm. You can't go be a lawyer, you know? But for me, you know, criminal justice, sociology, even though I have that, it's it's really just the skills that you learn. I learned... I even find that my job right now is an, as a receptionist at a hair salon, like, it's sociological. I'm meeting, you know, talking to people on the phone, greeting people as they come in. Like, it's all connections, you know? I learn more about the clients every time they come in you know it's it's social and so I find that you know even something so simple as picking up the phone to book an appointment like I'm using the skills that I learned in school and applying it to my everyday life and I just think it's so important you know if you're going for anthropology if you're going for politics like it's not so clear-cut like you are learning in the process how to write a research paper you know different ways to collect data, different ways to communicate, like public speaking. Like there's so many different aspects than what your degree says you have a degree in. You're just, you're picking up so many skills that will help you every single day and you might not even notice it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great points that you hit there. I think one that I want to touch on too specifically was the fact of not necessarily knowing, but moving within the uncertainty. And even when you think you might love something and you're confused in it, you're not sure where to go, you will have that that kind of aha moment. Mm-hmm. And even when I made the podcast, I kind of had that aha moment where I was moving, I lived in Texas for a little bit, I lived in Georgia for a little bit, and when I was in Georgia, sorry for the people that listen, I know I talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. but I was in this toxic work environment and I was like kind of battling with myself, like this is not where I want to be. And there was a quote that, um, from episode sixty five, Anthony Markey said, "Was not every situation that you're put in is what you're meant for," and I think that is so fucking true. I'm like that one. That one just really hit home for me because I was put into a situation that I needed to be in, but it wasn't for me. And you need those situations, even relationships, that. They're not for you, but you need to experience that. You need to experience things that you don't like, things that test your boundaries, things that test your emotions. Because, and it even goes back to sports. You need those losses to experience the highs of winning. Like without those, without that balance of those two things, you'll never truly understand the, the like the point of happiness, experiencing happiness. Like because you're not gonna be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Shit, <laughs> sure, you might barely ever be happy, but like it's the pursuit of happiness. Right. And it's like constantly chasing that. And that's something I had to realize when I kind of stepped into this podcast and I had the aha moment. I was like, well, what am I passionate about outside of my job? Like, what do I have? Because I was going through the routine of work, come home, work out, go to sleep. Work, right. come home, work out, go to sleep. I'm like, what am I contributing to society? What am I adding of value to society? I'm, and frankly, I wasn't adding anything. I was just a part of the machine. And I struggled with that. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing? I'm not even doing anything I enjoy. Like, and for people, some people really enjoy fitness. I like fitness. I don't love fitness. It's just something I know that I have to do. Like, when they call it working out, it's work. Like, and not everything that you do that is work is fun. But it's working because you need to get a healthy body and all that stuff. And it's very crucial, especially for mental health. But my brother was Twitch streaming at the time. And he started because... He was already playing video games. He's like, if I already play video games, why not just stream, and post myself, and post content? Something I enjoy doing. Why not put myself out there? And that that was like really the push for me to do a podcast. Was like seeing him do something he enjoyed. I was like, well, what do I enjoy? And I was really getting into podcasts. And I was like, well, I like talking to people. One on one, I'm very good. One on one, public, big gatherings. <laughs> Back then, probably not so much. Now, I could probably easily do that and communicate myself pretty well, especially if I know what I'm talking about. But, like, podcasts, hmm. Then the concept of the Cow Connection came out, and boom, I started a podcast. And while doing it, it's just consistently showing up. And there's there's definitely weeks and months where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do this. Like, I, I struggle with it. And I talked to you about this beforehand, is taking those breaks, taking those step backs, and that's really important and just contributing to that. And it's not being so committed to your path. Allowing your path to be flexible. Moving with the wind. Like,
0: Let if, it take itself.
1: Exactly. Because when you get so like, I need to do this, 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 and like get focused on like that mindset we talked about earlier of like, I need to do this by this age and have this. and It's good to plan, but be flexible in your planning. Because when you're flexible, you're going to be more open to these new opportunities. Exactly what you're saying is like, I might get my master's and then maybe I'll push off my PhD and like I'll stick with that. It's being open to these new opportunities.
0: Absolutely. You You have to be flexible. You have to be, you have to be graceful with yourself in this process because none of it is overnight. And if you're so hard on yourself, you know, you might not get to where you want to be because you're always going to be stuck on. I could have done this. I should have done this. What if I did this? You know, you have to give yourself and talk to yourself in the way like I still have this option. You know, maybe I didn't do this back then, but I can do that now. You know, you have to be aware of the way you're talking to yourself because if you're talking negative, you know, you might only see the negatives. If you're talking positive, like, you know, I could get my PhD after this. I will get my PhD after this. You know what? My chances of doing that are better than me saying, you know, what if I don't or I don't think I should, you know, because then I'm going to talk myself into thinking, no, I don't need it. You know, when that could be something so good for me, so good for me. It might be the key that unlocks everything. You know, you just have to be consciously aware of the way you're talking to yourself, and just be really graceful in the process with yourself. That and not is be so, so true. hard on yourself.
1: Like the words we say to ourselves, we don't. I don't think we necessarily understand or realize the power behind those words. Those words really dictate everything in our lives, consciously and subconsciously. Like the things you say to yourself, you internalize. You say you're a piece of shit. Internally, you're taking the fact <laughs> yeah. that you're a piece of shit, like, and that's unfortunate. And that's the scary thing when we talk about mental health is those people who experience and like the lows of mental health, you don't realize like they're really internalizing that. That's becoming them, and that's pushing them further down. And we stigmatize getting help and talking about getting help. And that's something I'm really trying to knock down that fucking door. And I'm doing it episode by episode, talking person to person, being honest about my situation. Like I've been in therapy for over a year and I've I've had high points and I've had low points. I've had reoccurring issues and I've had success in therapy. And it's the willingness to put that work into yourself, into your own, your faults, like your toxic behaviors. Like we all have toxic behaviors. It's whether we acknowledge them and work on them is the huge difference. It goes back to what you just said self-awareness, accountability. Those two principles I stand very firmly on because those dictate everything in your life. And some people never learn to hold themselves accountable and are not aware of their own behaviors, actions, and words. It's, It's disappointing.
0: That only gets even more destructive over time. You know, being able to say, like, I went wrong here. Here's what I need to do next time. Or I acted this way. I'm sorry I acted this way. You know, you just have to... Just exactly hold yourself accountable because that's the only way that you're going to grow is knowing what you can do better next time and not do, sitting there dwelling on the past or dwelling on things, you know. All, the only thing you have control over now is how you can act in the future. You know, the past is the past. The future is the future. And that brings me to the book I told you that you have read, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Power of Now. And it's something that's helped me with my anxiety to a certain extent, you know, that's something that I've been working on myself. But in the book, you know, it talks about you can't be fully present if you're thinking about the past or the future. You know, like depression is thoughts about the past, and anxiety is, you know, the worries about the future. And the book just says, you know, the past is a former memory of the now, the future are upcoming plans of the now. But realistically, they are both forms of a now. You couldn't have gone through the past without being there. You can't go through the future without being there. So the only thing that you can do right now is be here because that's all you have. You can't even really plan for tomorrow because guess what? Your plans for tomorrow could be changed in the next 15 minutes. And that's something you have to be adaptable. And that's something I'm working on is being more flexible, being, you know adaptable and open to change but the book just really drives home like you can't be anywhere but here right now so you're gonna waste your time your energy your thoughts your brain like everything if you're not here because that's all you have in this moment is right now
1: yeah i I really love that book too because it hits all those points and i don't know if it was that book specifically that taught me this was like the past and the future they don't exist they're gone like that's not a thing like the only thing that exists is literally right now like it goes back to what you said those are memories from the past and it's kind of dreams of what the future now is like they don't exist like it's gone like like what we talked about 10 15 minutes ago it's gone it's it's already happened like when people hear this conversation we've already had the conversation like it's gone right. like it's 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 a memory now it's <laughs> not now so, like, I think that's what's cool about podcasts, too, is, like, you're recording a, a specific moment in time that you can play back and listen to, like, a constant memory. And that's why I really value this, And especially when I lost my grandfather. I had the unique opportunity to interview him in a stage of his life where he knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. So, that's something I hold that episode, and I go back to it constantly as, like, a, a point because he was one of my biggest supporters off-rip. So, it's, it's unique to like have that mindset, but continue to be present. Like you can't dwell on the past. It's gone. And you can't be so anxious about the future. It's not here yet. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to what you're saying is being flexible, learning to adapt to these new things that come your way. And that's something I'm trying to learn how to do is adapt and introduce new habits to kind of negate the negative toxic behaviors that I've had in the past. And one of those behaviors is being so consumed by social media Oh, yeah. And especially in, <laughs> yeah, especially now where social media is a big part of what I do. So learning how to detach from that and get back to myself, get back into nature. And I love hiking. That's a great way for me to get back into nature. But meditation has been a huge benefit. And reading, too, because I used to read off my tablet. And I was like, I kind of fought with that because like it's, it's electronic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I've started buying the books. And I really just like the books. Like, audiobooks are great and all that, but, and they're convenient, but actually sitting down holding the book and reading it, there's something just rewarding about reading I agree. it. I don't know what it is. It's just, like, this yep. weird thing. It's, just like, turning each page. Like, maybe it's the physical act of turning the page, and, like, you apply that to your life. When something bad happens or something you've gone through, something you've already experienced, you turn the page, and yep. it's the next page. And, actually, I want to reference my book, <laughs> and we talked a little bit about earlier. Um, I'm reading Jordan Peterson Twelve Rules of Life, and I'm on, like, chapter seven, and there's some, there some points that I really wanted to bring up. One rule, too, that really kind of stuck with me was treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Because I think a lot of us will torture ourselves a little bit. Like, we are so want to help everyone else. And helping people are is great, but if you're not helping yourself, you're hurting yourself. And that's something I struggle with. Yeah, it's a really important lesson and a rule that should be established in your own life is if you aren't helping yourself become better, You can't help anyone else become better. And that's why I put myself in therapy. That's why I actively talk about it because if I'm not working on me, I have no fucking right to be on a podcast telling people how to go about their business and do the things Mm -hmm. that they do if I'm not putting the work into my own self. So I'm actively doing that. And like even seeing a psychiatrist, I'm open about that because there is a huge stigma about that and medication and things like that. And then... I mentioned on previous episodes don't think that just because you go to a psychiatrist they're going to necessarily give you medication off rip like i went and she offered cbd um i take b complex vitamins like there's so many alternatives they can go to first before going to medication if you need medication there's nothing wrong with taking a supplement to help you become more um in the present, less depressed and less anxious and there's nothing wrong with that yeah so it's normalizing that but
0: And just quickly, to backtrack to social media, yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about, too. It's it's so huge and affects you being in the now. It affects you being present. I, myself, I deleted my Snapchat about a month ago. I've done cleanses. You know, I'm off Instagram. Honestly, I have TikTok because it's fun. (laughs) I don't make them, but I watch them. And, you know, I'll keep that as, like, my form of social media because... You can learn like so many different things, cool stuff, like, you know, and it's not so close to home, you know, when you're on Instagram, and you're, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, and you're, you know, for me, that that's a source of anxiety, seeing what other people are doing, you know, if I'm not doing that, and they're doing that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it kind of harbors, uh, like negative feelings. And actually, I, I was in um, an internship with the Rhode Island State Government this this past fall. And I, I wrote a policy initiative with my um, with my group on mental health um, and how it's affected by social media. And we looked at um, something separate. It was like the privacy of social media. What are they doing with your information? Um, how it affects your mental health? And just, it's just insane. Like the stats on, you know, it, it makes you feel like your life is inadequate. It's less than. People are doing more than you. People are doing better than you. And when in real life, it's just a facade. It really is, you know. You could be posting some happy stuff, but you are not happy. You could be posting, honestly, anything. And it's it's not true. It's not true. And I'm not against anybody who posts, you know. I'll post sometimes too, but a lot of people need to understand that it's not an end-all, be-all, you know. Just because you're out having fun and people know that, it doesn't mean that's how you feel on the inside, you know. And it, it, if you know that it makes you feel anxious and it makes you have these negative feelings, separate yourself from it. I had no problem doing it. I deleted the apps from my home screen and I didn't even once go to look. You know? And it's it's standing in your power, taking your power back, knowing and allowing yourself to not let anyone else's life or, you know, what they're doing affect you. You know, you need to own that, stand in that and you know, if you if you know that it's not for you, then don't, don't look, don't do it. You know, it's, it's all in your best interest. And I've found personally, like a cleanse is wonderful. You know, there's so much more that you could be focusing on when you're not paying attention to other people's lives. You really, that's when you really put yourself first. What could I be doing instead of spending 20 minutes scrolling on Instagram, read a book, go for a run, go for a walk, feed your dog, walk your dog, do anything, call a friend. There's so many things that you could be doing instead of paying attention to everyone's little details on what their day is like because guess what? It's probably not true anyway.
1: Facts. That's big facts. And that's something I wrestle with too. Like and that's something I've actually changed in my social media is people, like you said, post their best. I'm not afraid to post my worst. Like I want to like not necessarily normalize it, but like it's okay to like not feel your best when you post and that's where I've turned to TikTok and Actually, I literally woke up this morning to a message from uh, someone that followed me on Instagram through TikTok. And they hit me up saying, basically kind of like summary. I didn't open the full message yet, but I saw like the summary of what they're saying. is like, you don't know me, but you're always on my For You page. I follow you on TikTok. I found you there. And things that you post have helped me and make me feel more safe in my emotions. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many messages I've received like that. Like people used to, especially friends, would knock me and say I shouldn't post the things that I post on TikTok, and I post sad, like kind of relationship things on my TikTok, and I'm not afraid to hide behind that. I don't hide behind that. Like those things that I post, I I felt that I feel those things, and I share those things. I've even had talking videos where I talk about how I feel, and that being able to put myself out there that vulnerably, I created a huge, not a huge following, but I think I think it's a pretty decent following of committed people who feel the same way that I do. And I had people in my own life who I consider friends knocking what I do, saying to not post that stuff. But what they never saw was the other side of that. The messages that I received. I had even someone said that I helped them kind of get off the ledge of like suicidal thoughts. And I was taken back. I was like, I'm just posting how I feel. And someone's saying that I've helped them that way. I was like, I'm doing something here. Like I'm doing something actually kind of valuable. And embracing that and i've i've had moments too where i wasn't really necessarily in that sad emotional relationship headspace and i was still posting mm-hmm. like i was and the content suffered and it wasn't really authentic and i pulled back and i stepped away i stopped posting for a, like a good solid month or so and Doing that was very beneficial. Like I started thinking about new things, how to post different things, maybe in the future, how to change my content to reach a different audience, and just being more authentically me. Mm -hmm. And that is something people struggle with. And there's actually something that from this the same book, the the Twelve Rules of uh, Life, that kind of goes to what you were saying. It was compare to compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And that's everything social media is. Social media is comparing comparison to people around you and what else to say about social media what you like on social media is what you're going to get mm-hmm. specifically to on tiktok too yep. so if you like a bunch of fucking girls shaking their ass or very fit dudes showing off their body with thirst traps that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. If you look up sexualized videos, you will get sexualized videos. If you look up food videos, you're going to get food videos. If you look up fitness videos, you'll get fitness videos. If you, get, if you look up relationship videos, you'll get relationship videos. It is very clear and cut and dry how social media works and what they use to hook you with. Yep. So
0: please, please, please
1: be like conscious of that.
0: Yeah, I just feel it's from what you just said, especially you know, with TikTok and what you like shows up like that's a trap. <laughs> you know, you're gonna get what you look for. And, and what I found is I actually have um, an Instagram page called Live Positive with Lynn that I've, I've taken like quite a hiatus from I haven't been on it in like a year. Um, And last year, I would just post like positive quotes, like things, you know, that people needed to hear, you know, including myself. And so I just kind of this past week, I'm someone who loves to read, I find it's an outlet for me. You know, I was, about, you know, journalism and stuff, like, I love to write. I love to read. I love research. I love the things that a lot of people don't like. And I find that words are really powerful, but they're really beautiful. And so, what I want to do with my Instagram page now instead of post, you know, like, choose happy quotes, like, things like that. And I have um, books, and I have paragraphs and passages, and I like to write poetry myself. And what I want to do now with that page is, you know, share some daily passages, share some of my own poetry, share some, you know, affirmation things that help me to help other people, because I really could sit there and look at a poem someone wrote and be like, wow, and be speechless. There's such a deep beauty in words that just resonate with me. And maybe it's not for everyone. Maybe some people choose and she would choose to have like a, a short and sweet quote, you know, but there's such, there's, there's such meaning to literature to me. And that's just something, you know, it'll always be there too. You know, like you said, you're holding a book, you're turning a page, like it's there, like it's very real. Instead, if you were, you know, listening to it, which I love podcasts, I really love podcasts, because it's almost a distraction too. You know, you could be sitting there so in your head, but you're listening to a podcast and you're listening to what other people have to say. And I love that you can hear and feel people's feelings in a podcast. If they're amped up, you know they're amped up. If, you know, they're kind of like, you know, mellow and, and trying to navigate their feelings, you know that. But you can hear in their voice what they mean. And so it's a different interpretation when you're reading, because if you're reading something, it's kind of up to your own interpretation, and you can give it that power, or you can't. But that's kind of where you have to find it in yourself, like, what does this mean to me? And I love that with the simple poem, what it means to you could be completely different what it means to me, could be completely different to what it means to somebody else. And that's why I just find that words, reading, listening, you know, experiences Hearing other people's experiences, their thoughts, their feelings—like it—it really just—it's so powerful to me. It's—it's it's really moving, and it—and I know that it—it it reaches so many people and helps them every single day. And that's—it's just a, a beauty in it that—it's hard to describe. You know, you just know.
1: No, I definitely know what you're saying, especially in the terms of podcasts too. That's why when obviously the pandemic all stuff happened and this was literally taken away from me like obviously people were scared to meet in person all itself was so uncertain about things i that's when i really started to miss it and at that time right before it happened that's when i was really struggling i was hitting like the 10 mark episode and i was struggling with my own thoughts of like do i know if i want to continue with this and like when it was forcibly taken from me i was like damn i didn't realize how much of an impact it was having on me and like, this is a therapy session for me. Like, straight up. Like, it's it's just being able to talk about things openly and honestly. We just have, we happen to have microphones and a camera. Like, that's that's just a real difference. Other than that, this is conversations that we'd have without this. And that's what I try to build this podcast off, is being able to be vulnerable and express yourself. Because, like we said, and I've noticed this, too, is when someone's really passionate about something, you, you feel it in their voice. They're very animated. They're hyped up about it and, like, you guys can't see it because this is strictly audio, but that's why I do in person. Is because I need to see the facial mm-hmm. like features, the expressions. You can see it in someone's eyes when they care about something. Like the way they vocalize it, the pitch to everything, the tone. Like so, I hate fucking texting. There's just you lose every interpretation, and the same thing with reading. Sometimes mm-hmm. like you're not interpreting sometimes what the author actually meant by those words. It's what you internalize. So with the podcast you really feel what people say you're literally hearing it. So I've learned the power of that and how I emphasize certain things, the pace that I say certain things. Right now I'm taking breaks in between words, emphasizing them, thinking about them like critically like how I'm saying things. It's only helped me develop my communication skills and how I vocalize myself and I've done 66 of these, I've done some mini series like learning how to interview people is helped me in every aspect of my life. Like my work in relationships, with family, with friends, how I talk to people. I'm more interested in what they have to say, like how they're actually feeling about stuff. Because most people are just like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing X, Y, Z. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's good. What are you up to? Oh, I'm doing ABC. Like, oh, that's good. Well, catch you around, I'm Like,
0: It's very superficial.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm kind of trying to move past that and a way for me to do that is to do a podcast, and I can give you some advice. I'll, I'll give you advice off air about where you're going with your page, and I think you're definitely moving in the in a good direction with it too. And I'll give you, some, I can give you some social media tips and how, how to approach that. Cause I I think this that's the right place of taking what you do and making it available to people. Right. That's kind of what I've done with this. Something a conversation that we have, I've recorded it and I put it out there for people to listen to. Same thing that what you're doing. You're reading these different passages that mean something to you. You're writing poetry that means something to you. And you're posting it. You're feeling vulnerable enough to be yourself to share that. And you might inspire just one person. And I might just inspire one person from our conversation. But that's all that matters. So it's stepping into that that ability to be vulnerable. The fact that you're even here today doing a podcast shows you're in that space and your willingness to do that. Like, that's what it's all about. And I give everyone credit that ever steps on, steps in front of the microphone with me and does a podcast because it is not easy. It's scary. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, part of me, every time I do one of these things, there's a little part of me that's a little nervous. But, like, when you're scared of something, usually kind of your body's telling you just go and Mm -hmm. do that more. Like, hit that shit harder. Like, and I kind of embody that a little bit in everything I do.
0: Growth is uncomfortable, you know?
1: It's stepping in that space. Like, when you're so comfortable with stuff, and I found myself within this past year falling into that trap of being comfortable, I'm like, yeah, things are good, but it's like, it's not enough though. Yep. And once I've tasted that ability to push myself beyond my comfort zone, sitting in it isn't 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 fun for me for, for too long. Obviously, comfort zones are great, they're good for you, but staying there too long is not healthy, especially when we're so young and we're trying to gain experiences and learn new things. Staying in your same routine isn't, it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, not healthy. So, to remove yourself from those situations, I think, is important to not only your growth, but your ability to comprehend new experiences in life and apply it to yourself. Regardless, though, we are coming towards the end of this podcast. And I end this podcast with the same question every single time, tied to passions. But is there anything that you need to say or you want to say, Sep, kind of separate from passions?
0: I just, first of all, thank you for having me. of course. (laughs) Um, But I just hope that the conversation that we had today inspires maybe just one person in any aspect with it, whether it's, you know, family dynamics, sports, school, you know, mental health, anything. Just know that you're not alone. A lot of people have been in the shoes that you're in, that you feel right now you may be struggling in. You're always going to come out better. Even if you can't see it, and that's the beauty of the process, you know, you have to get uncomfortable to grow, you know, and you need to stand in your power a hundred percent and own that, you know, hold yourself accountable, know what you want, and don't stop until you get it. And that's, I really that's where I'm going to leave that. I agree <laughs> with that.
1: So, Lindsay, for the last question, what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion?
0: I would say, as simple as it is, start from square one. You're not going to get there overnight. You may have a dream for your passion, but it's a process. You have to embrace every step. Every small step is still a step, and it will get you to where you need to be. So if you're passionate about something, whatever it may be, don't stop until you have it, you know, and give yourself the credit for where you are in the journey and just know, just be graceful with yourself, be patient with yourself, patience is a virtue, you know, and just conquer it, because whatever you set your mind to, you can do, 110% you can do it, and just know that you have that power and strength within yourself, and you're going to come out the other side, and you are going to be successful.
1: Love that. I think that's fantastic advice. And this has been a fantastic podcast. I appreciate you for coming out here and hopping on this podcast with me. So thank thank you. you.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So I'll give you guys my spiel. If you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your grandma. Check it out. The Thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So until next time, guys. Bye.